Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Ah, uh, yes, thank you for joining us for another Fox Rugby podcast. Terrific to be back with you. There's a lot to talk about today. We are going to do exactly that with Christy Doran and Sam Worthington from foxsports.com.au. Gentlemen, welcome. Yeah, hi, mate. A little bit more sombre today, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's a thought to look forward to. Don't, don't get too down on the world. And uh, also joining us uh, for a fifth or sixth special appearance... Andrew Swain, wow, good to have you back. Oh, it's great to be here after a pretty crappy weekend, let's just face it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brothers went down in the Queensland Premier Rugby Grand Final to those bookworms at UQ, <laughs> and the Aussies lost the Bledisloe. So, yeah, look, I'm, I'm just going to sit in the corner here a bit sa- sad and sorry for myself, to be honest. Well, there's a lot to look forward to, though, and, and we have just uh, come from the uh, Foxtel and, and Fox Sports uh, Rugby World Cup 2019 launch, so we'll be talking a little bit about that in just a moment. But, yeah, let's uh, just have a bit of a chat about the Bledisloe. What were we thinking? You know, this time last week, it was almost in the bag and the All Blacks were on the slide. Kieran Reid was too old. They'd lost their aura, their fear factor, and then they come out and put 36 unanswered points on us. Yeah, I think all that um, pressure and tension was real. Like, it wasn't imagined. They've had some poor results. They haven't played well for quite a long time. And, yeah, it really reached that, I guess, tipping point where, where the players got tight and, and harnessed that energy and, and played an amazing amazing 80 minutes, which we did know they were capable of. We didn't know whether it was going to erupt on the night or whether maybe it would at the the World Cup. But, yeah, w- what a statement. And I guess the, the conditions, the, the rain tumbling down just before kickoff all kind of probably conspired to a bit of a, an ominous feeling for the for the Australians as they faced the hucker. Did you feel, though, that um, around about the 20-minute mark when uh, New Zealand was forced to do all that defending on their own line and we w- weren't able to get over so there was there was that situation then Christian Leliofano missing a couple of uh, shots at, at goal it could have created a bit of scoreboard pressure there was that pass from Kirtley Beale the last pass that you know in dry weather maybe Reese Hodge could have stopped and back turned and picked it up or it, it might have gone to hand in, in dry weather there were just a couple of those without sounding like I'm making excuses just a couple of little things that kind of were the pivotal moments in the game? Oh, absolutely. Watching the game, you know, from the control room back in Sydney, it was it was just one or two really crucial moments. As you say, scoreboard pressure changes that game from Christian Liliofano kicking those goals. And then all it takes against the All Blacks at Eden Park, it doesn't matter, rain, hail or shine, takes one mistake and they can capitalise, and they just they buried the Wallabies after that. It was unbelievable how they just turned the game after 20 minutes on its head. A couple of things that I'm going to say. I don't think – Steve Hansen has said this in the past, and I don't know if he said this recently, but teams, he often say, aren't as good as the media makes them out to be and aren't as bad as they make the team to be, make, out to be. I don't think the All Blacks were as good as people were saying, and I don't think the Wallabies were as bad as they're saying. You know, what, what about the week before? Could the same apply? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But you, you look at the All Blacks, how they scored their tries, so much of it was from just turnover ball, so from the Wallabies' mistakes. Um, they didn't actually necessarily build, they weren't constructive tries, a lot of them, just turnover ball, counter-attacking rugby, uh, Wallabies' mistakes. Um, and you, as you say, those those couple of missed opportunities from Lele Afano were, were massive. And Sam Kane talking in his press conference afterwards, was saying, yeah, we knew we were on as soon as we kept him out and they didn't mm. come away with a point. Mm. And we just, you know, grew another leg, we knew. And he was like, we're, we're stoked, we're happy. And it was one of those things too that, that Michael Checker said after the game 
they knew they had to score early, you know, yeah. ideally score the first try uh, and and really feed those seeds of doubt that have been put on the All Blacks that were in the All Blacks' minds for the whole week. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's just an insane turnaround, what, about 57-point turnaround for the for the result. And to go from 47 points forward to zero, I mean, that's it's that, hard to make sense out yeah, of the whole two the, weeks the, in a way, isn't it? It shows how fine the, mar- the margins are at, at this elite level. Absolutely. But they, they, you know, they're turning down shots of goal. They were totally chasing the game and... and that comes down to probably experience the leadership of the side going, geez, like, you know, as soon as they fell 17 points behind, you knew the game was over. You, I think people knew the game was over once Richie Mwanga ran away and scored the try. But, you know, they, they, they turned down shots of goal. So although, yes, they got zero points for times since 2012 against the All Blacks, the same venue, I think it was 22-0 that night, they were really chasing the game. And they created so many opportunities. And that was the disappointing thing, you know, looking at Issy Nicerani and Matt Tamua making those breaks, just having no support around them and getting the clean-outs. Any long-term issues out of that game for the Wallabies? Scrum comes to mind. Is that a, is that a one-off? Are we, are we now on the back foot next time we play New Zealand at, at, at scrum time? Or is that just an anomaly? Oh, I think... It- it's got to be a horses for courses type of thing. Like you probably think that the front row that the All Blacks played in Perth is probably their starting front row. It's probably their best front row that they've got. Mm. And the Wallabies absolutely towed them up this week. Dalala comes. Dalala comes in. Franks and, and the Wallabies. It's it's a completely different story. I, I think it's a horses for courses. I think on any given day. And and you mentioned the word margins before. How fine the margins are, Sam. I genuinely think that any team can beat anyone on any given day at the moment leading into this World Cup, which makes yeah. it of, so uh, bloody exciting. Out of how many countries do you mean? Have the top, what? Oregon, the so? top six or seven? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It was interesting. Steve Hansen said, because check, we all touched upon it in the post-game presses, you know, the scrum. It was clearly the All Blacks dominated. Uh, Czechs straight away mentioned the, the new law changes. He didn't really expand upon what he meant by that. And then Steve Hansen said that we weren't leaning. You're not allowed to lean mm. anymore. Mm. And they had been standing closer. I think Czech said that they were standing closer. And then the ref allowed the All Blacks to get closer, which suited them by the sounds of it. Yeah. yeah so so just a- just the subtle changes can probably make a huge difference. Maybe the wet turf as well, like the experience yeah. that play there all the time. Because Hansen was saying, I know that you know Nepo Lalala is the the change there, but. The scrum doesn't you change talk to any, one person. It's an eight-man scrum. You talk to any front rower as well um, after watching that performance from the All Blacks on Saturday night. Like the spider cam gives such a good view yeah. of the scrum and Joe Moody, like his, his ass was poking out. Yeah. He was, there was boring in. There was a lot yeah. of angles going yeah. on. He's, got, he's, he's got, got an inner and you know ear what? infection. He can't because he can't. Straight, straight. Bit of of scrum vertigo. (laughs) That's right. He 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 got away with murder. If you talk to any front row technician, that's what they say. But he got away with it, and that's that's the beauty of the the game of rugby. They should honestly, the referee out there trying to adjudicate on the scrum and having to run around either side. They they should be. I don't know if they could use it at all levels, obviously. But for a World Cup, they should be someone upstairs looking at those aerial views. I reckon that's mm. surely that's the best view to make a, a call on it rather than a ref out there scurrying around trying I, to make sense of it all. I agree with you, but also it takes a little bit of the theatre away from, yeah. um, you know, the scrum and, you know, guys, they call it the dark arts for a reason, right? Like yeah. guys yeah. have gotten away with murder for years and years, ever, you know, ever since Jesus and Methuselah played 
you know, in Jerusalem. Like that, they've been good getting players. away with those. They've been getting away with those. Team. Yeah, it was. It's a yeah, great team. Um, the other thing with that, Sam, is it would take sign off from World Rugby. So we'll get back to you in about six months. <laughs> oh, with that. Jeez. Not um, <laughs> shots uh, fired at World uh, Rugby. Uh, the other, the other thing, and you mentioned it, Christy, is the weather. And Aaron Smith said after the warm up, they went back inside, did a bit of work on the whiteboard, and just talked about how they were going to change their game plan, considering it had uh, come down in, in buckets full. Um, do you think that that was maybe an edge that that the Wallab- they had over the Wallabies? The Wallabies didn't well, take. Well, that I was into just staggered that they didn't test them out the week before. Like everybody knows that Kirtley Bill's biggest weakness is under the high ball, and they hardly fired a shot the previous week. And of course, when there was rain, it was always going to make it more difficult. But the whole night, Kirtley, the Aaron Smith varied his height with his box kicks mm. just so well between little chips and real up and unders, and Bill had no no idea, and he admitted that today which we'll hear later on. Well, actually, while, while you're on that, you've brought us to it. Let's have a listen to Curtly Bill. He spoke at the World Cup launch today, but he was talking about uh, his game on Saturday night in Auckland. What do you think of the game, Curtly? Uh, yeah, still feeling the, um, the physicality of the game, no doubt. It it's, uh, takes a, a bit of a while now to recover. Um, we knew that they were they're going to bring it, bring it to us, and they certainly did that. Uh, um, so, yeah, it still hurts the result but you know I think a few lessons that we can take from that game um, and make sure that we can keep building on that for, for, for throughout the World Cup so um, yeah it's if, if there's anything that we we needed to do is just uh, yeah just learn from those lessons now and the games behind us and, and make sure um, you know um, yeah, we just keep building. About you personally, mate, playing fullback, there's a lot of responsibility there, isn't there? The team will look to test you um, in these pressure games yes, in the yeah. World Cup. Do you learn personally from the game? Like yeah, exactly. I, I know there was a few errors there from myself and with the, with the box kicks and, uh, you know, the web, web of footy, force and passes. Um, you know, there's there's a few little adjustments there that, that, that could have happened throughout the game. Uh, you know, reflecting on it now, but um, you know, it's a, again as a player, you, you've just got to make sure that uh, you keep building on those things and make sure that you understand about the mistakes and how that can have an impact on the game. So, you know, I feel like I've got a good understanding of that now, and you know, along with my teammates, uh, I'll make sure that I'll I'll keep working hard on those on those uh, on those small little uh, you know errors, um, and uh, you know, make sure that it doesn't happen again. And um, you know, there's a great opportunity for us to do that over the next few, uh, few weeks. Curtly Bill there, vowing to get better and certainly learn from that experience in the wet at Eden Park. Liked his honesty, yeah, because he did, as we said before, struggled a little bit under the high ball, but clearly he's, I think, the Wallabies' first choice 15 at the moment. But it, it slightly has given other teams an opportunity to exploit, but also do you now start to second-guess yourself and go, hmm, is Tom Banks or is Dane Hale Petty your kind of man if you're going to play a horses-for-courses kind of approach? Yeah, well, just on the conditions, like Tim Horan, um, we interviewed him as well af- afterwards, and he was pretty open that uh, the sense was that I, I didn't think the Wallabies could probably win the World Cup if it is a, a nasty weather. He said they're, they're not a wet weather team at all. They, they love to attack with, with nice dry ball. The good news is for Wallabies fans is that's what we're expecting in Japan in summer. It's likely to be hot. And, yeah, it's more, more likely to be slippery because of humidity rather than precipitation. Yeah, that's right. So, he, yeah, he was very honest about that. And, um, yeah, I think that, that's probably a fair shout as well. So, Curly, like it's not – you wouldn't say it's a massive strength of his game, but we've seen, we've seen him be more than adequate under the high ball for – 
large stretches of his career. So I thought he had improved this year. But uh, he's, the, the confidence did just desert him for whatever reason on, on the night, yeah. And, I mean, you, you talk about... Uh, it's one week, right? It was only last week where it was wet and he struggled under the high ball. But the week before was unreal, you know. And you've got Reese Hodge there and and Marika Corabetti at the back. Who uh, Marika's probably not the best under the high ball, but Reese Hodge can certainly hold his own. Um, we saw him take a brilliant one in Perth, mm. um, which led to one of the Aussie tries as well. So I think uh, when you're talking about the World Cup. Um, coming up a- ahead, uh, it'll be a horses for courses situation as well. I think you'll probably play your big names in those big foot two games and then you might spread it around a bit for those other well, pool games. Well, let's talk about the World Cup. It was uh, the launch of uh, Fox Sports World Cup campaign today and uh, some exciting stuff happening. So all 48 games, the only place you'll see all 48 games is on Fox Sports. So it's uh, every game, every country, and every one of those games will be in 4K ultra high definition. So that in itself is uh, is pretty special. Uh, the pictures coming out of Japan. But, um, yeah, we had uh, all of our guys there today, all of our expert commentators, and uh, it was just really exciting to sort of get into it, get talking about what's to come, and um, it's it's nothing but a feeling of excitement at the moment. How good's the vibe? The vibe. Love the it's vibe. all about the vibe. The classic Castle quote, it was the, all about the vibe today, and the vibe is good. But the, <laughs> very much, you know, and, and when, you, when you tune in and, and have a look at what we're doing, you'll get that feeling, that flavour of Japan. And if you've seen the, the promo on air at the moment, it's the, the anime um, promo right. with, with Michael Hooper as the... Uh, as well, how's he cast? As uh, well, he's uh, like the hero. That's right, a, yeah. a, anime hero. I actually, I was sitting behind hoops when they played that. That was the first time he'd seen it, and he was oh, really? pissing himself laughing. Yeah, he thought it was brilliant. He, he's like, they even got the mo in there. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that was good. Were you the creative genius behind that, Swaney? Can you take credit for that one? No, but uh, maybe uh, I do love a bit of you know kung fu kind of uh, old it's, school it's monkey the, magic. Well, it's style. the kung fu panda feel to to the to the promo, isn't it? I found a slightly racist as a New Zealander. There's a bit of New Zealand uh, jokes in there, but I'll get over it. It was was very good. Choice, bro. <laughs> Whatever you reckon, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Cop that. You mentioned the, vis- <laughs> like the visibility of the game, though, uh, has gone up a few notches with, the, obviously, the great Wallabies win in, in Perth. It has put it back on the radar for a lot of people, and, uh, yeah, it was, a, obviously, a deflating result at the weekend. But I think if you were the to... parallel between that and 15. They're in a better place pre-Bledders Low Cup, aren't they, having totally. actually shown that they can smash the world champions. So that's that's exciting if you're a Wallabies fan. I just think that it's it's so similar to 15. <coughs> like they clearly the the side last time in 15 and Checker made wholesale changes and this time he didn't. But either way, winning only two weeks ago against the All Blacks is a, a bloody big boost of confidence for them. And it's very similar to 15 in that he after that game took the Wallabies off to the yep. USA and did a little bit of a camp. They're about to go off to Numea. I, I dare say they've probably got some um, some boot camp sort of situations Ooh, yeah. ahead of them in Numea. But I was talking to Czech after um, the launch today and he just said he's looking forward to getting them all in a room or in a, in one particular place, no distractions, and that is where Michael Czech is at doing. his best yeah, as a coach. That's doing it, just yeah. to get away. The other thing too, fitness-wise, I think if you want to Compared to 2015, I think they're a long way further ahead mm. at this point in time. Yes, they, they took them off and they, they smashed them by all reports in the US before they mm. went to England. Um, they're pretty fit at the moment. But 
so the rest of the world will be as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but we talked today about, uh, you know, it, it's not just Australia. Obviously for us it's, it's very much about the Wallabies, well, everyone except for Sammy. Um, but, but, <laughs> Choice, it's, bro. but it's about it's about the other powerhouses, you know, New Zealand, South Africa, who are, who are looming as uh, a lot of people's smoky, the, the fact that they can play uh, a number of different brands of rugby right now. Then you've got Wales have just got number... Uh, one in the world. Um, How good's the comment from Eddie Jones straight after? Well, they're number one, so they're going to go into the World Cup as favourites. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, just yeah, heaps really. of pressure on them. <laughs> Love it. But then you got then you got England with with Eddie, who knows how to get teams up for for World Cups. Um, Ireland, Ireland under the radar. Yep, exactly right. So you, you got all the the powerhouses. Argentina semi finalists in in twenty fifteen. France, no one's talking about. You want to talk about under the radar? Well, they smoked Scotland on the weekend yep. as well. Like did, did it really easy. Mm. Yep, finalists in twenty eleven. Probably should have won that game, Sammy, in twenty eleven. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you've got all these. But then one of the most exciting parts, and and we got to talk about it today. The minnows. And a lot of these countries, they know that they're probably not going to make the quarters or the, or the semis. But if they can take a big scalp a la Western Samoa and Wales in 1991 or uh, Japan beating South Africa in, in 2015, if you can walk away, what it does for the game in that country. So there's all these sorts of little stories within the massive story that is the World Cup. Yeah, exactly right. We're going to get a, a bit of a taste, I guess, of what you'd now call the minnow country with Samoa coming over here to, um, to, to play the Wallabies in Sydney. Which really? An interesting game. Did you just call Samoa a minnow? Well, I'm afraid they are well, they these are. days, yeah. They've, uh, if, if you haven't seen it, there's a very good documentary that uh, John Campbell out of New Zealand did. He went over to Samoa and looked at the some of the conditions they're having to put up with now. Mm. It's a huge issue for world rugby that there's a clear tier one, tier two situation going on. So that's another discussion. But yeah, if you're looking at more upsets, I think uh, Japan are well placed to do it again. They're, they're a very good yeah. side now. And the guys talked about it today, that uh, Scotland game, they've got a little uh, circle around um, that they could could be another it's the last pool game yeah. it's the last pool game before uh, the quarterfinals uh, so you can imagine if if Scotland's gone through and you know they've been beaten up and well, they get, they'll Japan, probably they'll probably they, so they they've got Ireland in their pool that's right so it could come down to that one which yeah. one of Scotland and Japan goes through yep and day two for people that aren't already aware, haven't worked out the uh, the calendar of games. The day two of the World Cup's just insane. Yeah. So New Zealand, South Africa, uh, Fiji, Wallabies, and then France, Argentina, all on that that oh. one day. So we're going to be um, it's crazy pumping Seriously. a lot of uh, coffee into our system to get through that triple header. I think yeah, forty eight games, and you'll see it all. The only place you'll see it all's here on Fox Sports. You, you had a bit of a chat with Michael Checker about what he's expecting for the World Cup. Yeah, and uh, he's excited, basically. And there was lots of talking points from Will Skelton's possible return to who's going to be wearing the number 10 jersey. So we'll get a little bit of a taster in this right now. You're listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Michael, what's the deadline for Will to Oh, mate, I think, yeah, I think um, well, look, the squad's being announced Friday. So, um, you know, we, we've, got to, we've got to make up our minds, I suppose, in the next couple of days uh, through a series of meetings as to, you know, how we, how we put it together. And uh, we'll talk later on today and probably make some realistic um, phone calls over there just to get a final opinion and see if he wants to, if he wants to be involved or not. What's the level of communication been in the last 
Oh, mate, it's pretty, no, it's pretty, like how many times you talk about the same thing? It's you ask a question and you get an answer. And if you haven't got an answer, you ring back in a week or so and see if you change your mind or have you made your mind up. And at the end of the day, mate, I know it's a, he, he's a he's an excellent player and and we'd love to have him back. Well, I've been really happy with the progression of the Type Five um, so far this season, and uh, he'd add to the competition. You know that would go on in that. You know, I think that's really important to note. Um, uh, it's everyone's got to want to be in it and want to be in it for the right reasons. So, yeah, that's how it's panned out. Check, when was your last contact with either Willoughby's management there? Oh, yeah, I spoke to him about a week or two ago, I think. Yeah. What, what, what was he saying then? Oh, mate, that's a private conversation. <laughs> can't blame you for asking. No, 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 no. Can't blame <laughs> you for asking at all, but no. You've got good rugby in the past, but he's shed a lot of weight and Saracen's been playing amazing. Like, what, what expected could he, could he bring to the campaign? Oh, mate, like I said, I think he's, a, he's, a, he's an excellent player. He's... He's also performed in uh, against a lot of those players that will we'll be, you know, we could be meeting along the way at different times. And he, he knows, you know, you often find the players that get a bit of that experience, they come back a bit wealthier with knowledge. We've seen it, I think, definitely from from Nick White, Matt Tamua, you know, Pilota now has come back in that, that range. So, yeah, I think he's, he's just growing up, you know. He's getting more mature. Like football players, they change. Some guys go... You know, they get a lot early. Some guys take longer to mature and go. He's, he's starting to get into his sweet spot now. But like I said, mate, the, 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 it's not just a decision based on can the World Cup and, and what it is now. That's, a, that's definitely a byproduct. It's more also about the long term of where he plays his footy. So it's a big decision for him as well. Are there any other overseas-based players or left-field selections you can look at at this late stage, Chair? Well, overseas, no. Right, so, but... Uh, you know, we, when we go into the selection process, we're not even just looking at the players who have been... You know, there's some players that have been in the squad in the past that we haven't had in the squad. We'll take into consideration everything around the, the complementary nature of players, you know, and, and which players... Um, if we play this guy, what, what does that mean for these positions? And try and get the best possible fit of preparing all the situations we'll come up against in the World Cup itself, you know, and, and how how our draw pans out has a big effect on it as well. You mentioned in the, in the other thing about how you might force us with courses even during the World Cup in terms of changing um, combinations. Can you just explain that a little about... Um... Well, I think we've got a lot... It's pretty straightforward in the fact that we've got a lot of players that are competing quite evenly for positions, you know. So the line between selection and non-selection, if you have a look at even some of the players who have been left out of the match 23, the line between selection and selection is very narrow. And that's a good thing because uh, that means there's a lot of competition going on. And to keep, it's the, to keep that competition going and striving for performance because everyone will want to play in every game, obviously. Um, uh, they, these moments are rare and you want to be able to take advantage of them. So um, to, to really create that competition, which is something I think we've benefited from this year, it may not be a bad idea to keep that going if that's what we decide to do. Interesting stuff there from Michael Checker. Let's um, break some of that down. First up, Will Skelton, is he going to go to the World Cup? Oh, I honestly don't think so. Like, how has Will Skelton's name popped up a day after the Bledisloe? Five days out from the World Cup squad being announced, like 
I'm sure I know that Czech talks to people in the background and all that sort of stuff, but surely that's smoke and mirrors. Well, it was it was around four or five mm. weeks ago, I think. Um, in fact, back that in it's, yeah, that yeah. it might be possible. Yeah, it's been a long running conversation. Skelton desperately wants to be at the World Cup, but he's trying to have his cake and eat it too with mm. with staying at Saracens with, with the juicy contract that he's on. So yeah, it would take uh, a, a bit of um, working around the margins of contracts and the rules, and yeah, it would send a pretty. Pretty, pretty poor message to the players that have been slogging it out over here. I think Timmy Hor- in, in the past they desperately could have done with him, but I think now they're actually probably okay with Arnold, Rodder, Coleman there. And Simmons. And, and, and Simmons oh, floating around we, as well. So Surely we missed on the weekend without Rory being there a bit of physicality. Let's be honest, we were beaten up. Who, like who so. else misses out? Like, you know, you got... You're kind of half as like Luke Jones, right? He could probably play a lock at a stretch. Yeah, well, you've got Luke, uh, Luke Hans, Salakai Lowe too. Yeah, that's right. And, and then Dempsey as well. Like he's in the background. He's been in, he hasn't been in the squad, but Czech did mention in that chat that there are guys who haven't been in this squad yeah. who he's well, definitely considering. That got me racking my brain thinking, okay, well, I know that well, um, Dempsey's it, had a shoulder injury. That's why he missed out. Yeah. Mm. How's he tracking, do we know? Because we know Czech is a huge fan of him. Is he yeah. physically going to be? Well, if he was okay? fit, he'd be picked. Well, he's not so getting the shoulder surgery. From yeah. the, my understanding, anyway, so that's him obviously trying to make it to the yeah, World Cup, putting it off. Um, the other one that came to mind, and he seems to have been on the outer, is Nick Phipps. You know, yeah. hugely experienced. Went to 2011, went to 2015. Uh, he was for a brief time a member of the squad in Brisbane before they went to Perth, so that Joe Powell could go back and yeah. play club rugby. And Joe Powell's been the third choice halfback. The entire campaign is there. Is there something going to come down from the clouds there? Well, this is the really interesting thing about World Cup squads, right? So, do you even take three scrum halves? That's do you right. just take Nick White and Will Genia? And uh, and this is what they did in 2015. They just took Will Genia and Nick Phipps. They didn't have a third string scrum half, and Matt Gitto was the third option at scrum yeah. half. I mean, the other one is um, yeah, that's that's just definitely the the one, the, the number nine, and and yeah. hookers as well. You're right. They only took, they only took two. In 2015, but James Hansen was sort of lurking within tender around the edges. Uh, well, he was in, playing in Europe. France. At yeah, the time. that's right. So, and, so. and Scott Co was capped as a hooker mm. in that USA warm-up test, which means he's also this time around eligible to play hooker at in the front row. Right. So <laughs> they could only take two hookers to this World Cup also, and it just gives them options. But it's you got to really be clever about how you make that squad up and and. I reckon Czech and those selectors have got a really long week ahead of it, them. It would be super harsh if Joe Powell's not selected. but It would be. But he hasn't played a minute in this yeah. rugby championship. I don't think he's, that, I mean, for that reason, I don't think it's harsh. He's Christian. probably played about half an hour of test rugby in the three years that he's been part of the squad. I just don't think you can take him because, you know, let's be honest, as we were talking just before we came on, if, if you get an injury or if someone gets injured in the first minute of a game, do you really want someone who's played such little time going... He to one a key position. So I think Nick Phipps is certainly ahead of Joe Power, in my opinion. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, the I mean, the, the huge call is the two or three thing in England have taken the punt with only naming two, but they've had uh, George Ford uh, training at halfback secretly for a year, similar to, I guess, Matt Ghetto able to play that and talking with... It's not a very good secret. Talk, well, he, they've only admitted that now that right. it's happened, yeah. But uh, George Gregan today was, and he's obviously, he's obviously been around the team a lot this season, he was uh, saying, look, we need to, to go with three and pushing for that. So, yeah, my... It, my, uh, my And they, they don't have anyone else in the squad that can slot and, in the emergency. And Will Genny so. is getting older. Like, let's be honest, he's had quite a few injuries and little niggles recently. I was sure that I read somewhere, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Bernard Foley had been 
just doing the odd little bit of training at Scrum Half as well. He'd be so. the obvious sort of guy, body shape wise, and you could yeah. you could picture him getting him in there, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the two or three thing is really that's that's the the one that's really perked up the interest this week. Where's the biggest area of concern? Is it is it six? At the moment, is it blindside? Is that oh, if you'd asked me last week, I would have said no. This week, probably yeah. But yeah, he was he was shown up by burnt by George Bridge on the weekend. Uh, whether or not that's Reese Hodge, who's should no, be no, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, look, David Pocock, you'll probably come off the bench. I, I think the lineouts operated really, really well recently. So there's some some benefits there. But the black breakdown has been, you know, the attacking and defensive breakdown has been a concern for a long while. Michael Checker confirming that we will see uh, David Pocock get some game time against Samoa. So that's hardly surprising. I guess he needs some some miles in his legs. Indeed. Yeah. Any other bolters, gents, who would you like to see come from the clouds? Uh, Tim Horan pushing very hard for Jordan Patea. I don't know if you'd call him a bolter, but anyone from outside the, the obvious names that you'd well, like to see in there? Well, he's a guy who could potentially make his test debut at the World Cup, mm. Jordan Patea. Yeah. I'd love to see him there. But then, you know, you've got Adam Ashley Cooper, who's played minutes this this series. It probably comes down to those two guys. Do you take youth or experience? I, I don't know if you can take both of Banks and Haylett Petty too. Yeah. But the, the one guy that I just can't – I'm staggered that's not there and hasn't been there for a couple of months is Pete Samu. I just think if you're if Jack Dempsey's not there particularly, um, I would be having Pete Samu in front of Liam Wright for sure. He's a two-time Super Rugby winner after all, but somehow he's been left on – He was in pretty good form too. On the ditch. the back end of the mm. Super Rugby season. I thought Liam Wright played really well in his test debut though. Got his he's head into some dark places, made a lot of pretty big tackles and – uh, was there scavenging for the ball? So you know his his name's in the mix. It's oh, I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be those selectors this week. It's yeah. going to be tough. I think definitely one of Banks or Haylett Petty misses out. That's that's pretty clear. And I think yeah, definitely all three. I think tens will go. That um, listening to to checker today with Foley, Liliofano, and and Tamua. So has yeah. has things changed just in the last? You know, let's say two months ago, if you'd been picking this squad. You know, you would have had, you would have expected Bernard Foley probably to have been playing ten throughout the rugby championship in the Bledisloe Cup. Well, that hasn't happened clearly. Um, probably have Quade Cooper in there somewhere. Well, possibly, although the jury was always out there. I think Jack Maddox would He's have been in the yeah. conversation. He's not in the conversation at the moment. Yeah, that that might come. Come back to surprise us all on Friday, but just at the moment he's not. And, and suddenly, Dane, Roy, Roy Arnold's about the most important guy on the team. That's right. And Dane Haylett Petty would have been, you know, a, a yep. shoe in there somewhere. To, and now you're having all these conversations about. So things that the landscape in the run home towards the World Cup has really changed to an extent over the last couple of months. Yeah, and a lot of it is that new selection panel, and Definitely. and, and um, we've we've talked about it to death, probably sick of it. But the the Pocock decision is the huge one. But I get the feeling that behind the scenes, the the selectors have said no. Kirtley's just a fullback now. Mm. No, um, Hooper and Pocock are just uh, sevens, and they're not going to start in the same team. I get the feeling that that is the the call. And yeah, Pocock um, will probably be used off the bench during the World Cup. Christy, you did ask. I don't think we need to hear. We'll just get you to paraphrase. Um, you did ask Michael Checker about how that selection panel has changed things because, you know, some of those selections have been starkly different since um, Michael O'Connor and Scott Johnson have been involved in selections. Yeah, ultimately he just said it's been a very positive experience and that it's challenged his ideas and I don't think he necessarily thought he was a bad selector beforehand but he said that it's been a worthwhile uh, experience and he foresee, foresaw that it would continue um, 
in years to come having the selection panel whether or not checks there or not so yeah i think it's been huge like some of the teams that he was rolling out at the end of last season yeah. pe- people were very confused like it was, it was getting quite bizarre bill playing at 10 a lot and it was the wheels were falling off a little bit weren't they so i think that yeah just some having some smart new voices in the room has been a huge benefit indeed so that uh, 31 man world cup squad to be named uh, at the Qantas Jet Base in Sydney on Friday. Absolutely. So we'll be potting, what, next week to bring it all up to speed. I can't wait. All of our well, – we might have to go back and listen to all of our uh, predictions and – Yeah, just stay, stay in the now, stay in the now Christy. You've got to stay focused on this podcast. It's not over yet. You can't start dreaming of the next podcast. You'll lose the, use the, the current game. Well, actually, Sammy, it is. It's it the is end. over. Yes, that's oh. the end. I know. It, it, gee, it's Whoa. gone quickly. But uh, I think we've probably said enough and had enough to say. Okay, now we just wait and see if our names are read out in a, a squad or two. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sam Worthington, Christy Doran and Andrew Swain, thank you for your company and thank you for your company on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Thanks, Nick. Whoa.